You're listening to Shame on the James McMahon Music Podcast, a Spook Media Production. Last Thursday night, a 22-year-old man killed five people, including his mother and a three-year-old child in Keyham, Plymouth. It was the worst mass shooting in Britain in more than a decade. In the days since last Thursday, the 12th of August, 2021, the British media has talked of little other than incels, an online subculture of people who define themselves as unable to get a romantic or sexual partner despite desiring one. Much of this talk has been uninformed. I'm not sure that very much of it has been helpful. The killer, a 22-year-old man who sporadically frequented locations on the internet where incels congregate, has been badged as a card-carrying member of this much misunderstood facet of modern society. It's a group that's become increasingly notorious since 2018, after a spate of similar occurrences took place across North America. My first thought upon hearing the news from Plymouth was one of great sadness, then revulsion. I also thought, I wonder what this has to do with shame. Because in the months leading up to his explosion of violence, the killer was known to be struggling with accessing mental health services. I've got personal experience on that front. He was sometimes critical of the incel movement online. By no means was he blindly loyal to said ideology. A lot of occurrences dovetailed that led us to the bloodshed that took place last Thursday. The truth, as ever, is complicated. Knowing what to do next is more so. The man who carried out these crimes last week committed an act that is heinous. Few will weep for him, but if we want to avoid future tragedies, we need to ask difficult questions. We need to ask what role isolation, radicalisation and shame play in the nurturing of young men who find a home within misogynist and violent ideology. And so I turn to writer, journalist, filmmaker, musician, Nama Case. I've been listening to Nama's podcast Incel on the Crawl Space Network religiously for the last few years. Over hours and hours and hours she's made connections with young men who describe themselves as incels. She's tried to understand them, reason with them even. And so, when I wanted to try to understand the role that Shane plays in this, there was only one person I wanted to speak to. You might hear a baby doing baby things. Hey, I'm grateful to Nama for accommodating me. A lot of people have wanted to talk to her this week for obvious reasons. I think the more people who listen to her, the better. Nama, I presume you have been on call and talking about incels all week. So, I will keep it brief. But when this appalling crime happened in the uk i had been listening to your podcast for a long time i think i've been listening since episode one and i'll be honest i find your podcast hard work because it's hard work um but i have i have to say i've kept up to the present day it's just taken me a long time sometimes to get through episodes can you tell me a little bit about how you came to do the podcast and your interest in in cells so um i don't have a, a great story for that really um but uh basically uh, i can just say that you know i come from a, a background of film and you know creative writing and things like that um so you know this is definitely my first foray into any topic like this but um, around the same time that I was getting really into just podcasts to listen to as a, a medium and 
um, finding myself really drawn to the, the true crime ones, uh, I became aware of incels and then had kind of like a happenstance online encounter with one um, and found the conversations interesting, asked if I could record them, started listening back to them and thought this would make a great podcast, <laughs> um, not knowing where it would go. I'll come on to this in a sec, but I think one of the things I really like about your podcast is that it rewards the intelligence of the listener by saying that some of the crimes that have happened under the name that have been said to have been committed by incels are obviously repugnant. Like it doesn't ram that point home, but at the same time, it's you take a long you take a lot of time to listen to these young men. Is that a deliberate approach? Yeah, that I mean, that's definitely a deliberate approach. I think that if I didn't do that, I don't really know what I'd be adding to the conversation for starters. Um, but also, you know, as I talk about a lot in my podcast and as I learned very quickly, um, the crimes that are attributed to incels, some of them I think not so fairly either, but the ones that are still represent a very, very small percentage of that community. Um, you know, hardly any of them are violent or even support that. So there's, there's other things to be explored. It's been quite frustrating as a journalist in the UK to see the uh, disappointing but predictable rollout of coverage uh, yeah. of what happened. And uh, I think that I probably know more about incels than your average journalist, certainly a lot more than your average tabloid journalist, it appears. But I, at the same you time... You probably do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I think that because, other than your podcast, most of my knowledge has been informed by those publications. Like, there's probably misconceptions that I have like what's the biggest misconception about inverted commas incels uh just in general from the media or about this specific case well it, it, in general um I think that the the biggest misconception um and the one that's the most dangerous and, and going around the most is just kind of that uh every member of this community or or most of them are really angry hateful you know young white men living in their mother's basement also that the that the ideology that the community actively um encourages or incites violence how it's being reported is that somehow this is a community that this is like a connected network that's not the case is it to an extent it is i mean so I always like to talk about, you know, that it's a matter of degrees and definitions. Like if you say that an incel is just someone who is involuntarily celibate, who doesn't have relationships despite wanting them, that's one definition. If you say that it's someone that um, maybe identifies that way, that's another definition. And if you say that it's one that identifies that way and also um, takes an active role in the online community network that's kind of a third identification um obviously for the first two it's not necessarily the case that it's connected but 
for a lot of them, you know, it is to a degree. They're uh, especially because of sort of censorship and bans that have happened in recent years. Um, there are fewer and fewer spaces that incels can gather online and talk. So it becomes kind of um, uh, like an insular community for the people that participate in it, or at least they'll all have kind of checked out a lot of the same, the same spaces online. So it, it can be described that way, but um, yeah, there are many more incels who, even if they have seen these forums or are aware of them, don't really participate in them. I've had many of those on my show. See, the thing is, is that I feel like young men, like unhappy young men, congregating in a space online, like a shared space, and talking. I mean, that is that isn't that's a depressing thing, but isn't that isn't necessarily a bad thing? Like, that's no different to if you take the internet out of the equation. Like my experience of being a teenager, like yeah, it, it's not a pathological behavior. But no, not at all. So where does the where does the problem arise? Well, the problem arises, and it doesn't arise for many people at all. But you know, for many people, it does. I think in that um, these become echo chambers, especially when they become banned in other places, or when in the mainstream, you know, incels are are seen as a certain thing, and very much kind of taunted and made fun of, and it's become a catch-all pejorative. Um, then. It, the echo chamber really becomes just the same repeated ideas over and over again. And when the only thing being discussed is sort of failures and rejections and the various reasons why um, those things happen, you just kind of one misery after another, um, then that's not psychologically healthy. I mean, obviously this is a, this is dropping into a podcast, which I've been, doing for the last month or so which is about shame like the overarching theme is shame mm-hmm. i haven't so i wanted to speak to you because i'm you know a fan of the podcast and i felt like it was pertinent to talk to you right now but i have spent the last couple of days thinking there's something in this that is about shame but i can't work out exactly what it is what do you think oh yeah i I mean, I think so much of it is about shame, toxic shame. I think that um, even this killer, this incident, obviously felt that it was shameful to be the way he was, to be in cell in this case, or a a virgin at his age. And um, being any of those things, being like creepy, being not desired, being unattractive, um, being rejected, all of these things, you know, lead to feelings of shame, um, probably in any society, but uh, I guess more so in ours, you know, kind of very hyper-sexualized cultures where these are things that are the measure of a person's self-worth in a lot of ways, especially at, at a young age. So I think that I mean, and there's also just a ton of, of shame around sex in general and anything having to do with it, uh, um, especially if it's, you know, uh, the lack of it or an inability to perform it or acquire it, however you want to 
sort of break that down. This is a very shameful subject for the people that experience these things. And um, that's one of the reasons the community exists is so that people, I think, can discuss those things that uh, are shameful to them. I mean, obviously, everything... I mean, the more and more I learn about shame, the more I realise that the more light that's shone on shame, almost like the less space it has to breed and grow. Mm-hmm. Everything that I feel like could be done to either make these people's lives better or avoid a tragedy isn't being done, whether that's like mass misinformation or the closure of the spaces that they inhabited. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm really, really wary of not being um, viewed as uh, like an apologist for the actions of people at the violent end of things. I, I, it goes without saying, but yes, what what could be done to help these people? Well, I mean, I think that for starters, there are just some broader issues that we need to look at, um, which we don't and we can't and we'll never be able to if we have to shut these discussions down before they even begin. Um, But I mean, this population group exists for a reason counter to what some people might tell them, which is just that it's their personality or get a haircut or whatever, like those things aren't valid. Um, There are people that feel marginalized and like they don't have a place in society and like they don't fit in. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that, um, which, you know, some of them are, are very obvious, just that everything is kind of tiered in society and some people are more lucky than others. Um, you know, there's always kind of like the haves and have nots of any group, but I think when you look at things like, well, are people actually maybe a bit shallow and maybe a bit narcissistic nowadays, maybe increasingly so because of social media, maybe increasingly isolated because of certain things in technology. And, you know, we just had quarantine and the like. Um, Well, that's something that uh, maybe should be looked at and talked about a bit more because, you know, these people are always going to exist. Another issue that has come up a lot is many, many of the people that I talk to are on the autism spectrum. Um, There's surveys of the community that would suggest that 20% or so are formally diagnosed with that, uh, not just suspect that they might have it. So, you know, that's a neurodivergent personality type that maybe um, we could be better at involving or including. I don't know. I think there's a, and then, you know, the final piece is just kind of that um, incels are given no real empathy right now. Um, even though by many accounts, I think it's a, a population that should get empathy from the people who give empathy to other groups. You know, these are um, men, I guess, which is one issue. <laughs> but um, other than that, it's people that might have difficulties socializing um, that feel 
not conventionally attractive and stuff. And that's a group that should theoretically get some empathy, but because of certain, um, I guess, trends in the culture or a tendency to see this group as bad, then they don't even get that, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you said a little bit what I was going to kind of come to really, which is the, if you're, if you're being optimistic, you would say that we are at a moment in history where there is a lot of change occurring for like to, to try and bring voices to the table that haven't always been invited to the table. And therefore the people who almost feel like deserve the least um sympathy or kindness are straight white men which the majority of incels are unless i'm wrong but mm, slim slim majority that that's white and that changes but yes i i get what you're saying yeah I, and i guess that i think if there's one thing that i have a bit of a problem with in our culture is that you know we talk about empathy but it has to be empathy for all otherwise it doesn't really work because exactly yeah what happens if we keep well what happens if we don't have a more adult and mature response to what is happening with these young men well i don't personally believe that we can shame or censor people out of existence not not in today's world um so you risk making something that's already i don't know um taboo even more so which might draw a certain type of person even more to it um so you have this community that maybe is a little bit more um edgy or coming from a, a start point that's a little bit more difficult um if they believe that they're being persecuted and that everybody wants, you know, ugly men to die or whatever, as some of them do, usually kind of ironically, but not always, then you risk confirming that belief and leading to more of these attacks, basically. I know you're on a real schedule and I think your child is the first child to appear on this podcast. So uh, <laughs> thanks so much for accommodating me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Shame is a Spook Media production. It's brought to you by me, James McMahon. If you like this episode or any of the episodes to date, please do consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and a rating and subscribing too. I saw a couple of people had done just that the other day and it made me smile more than anything that made me smile in ages. Thank you to everyone who's done that so far. It doesn't just make me smile. It helps other people discover the podcast. Shame will be back next week with episode five proper. Take care of yourselves and each other.